Welcome to Hydrate. It's an honor to worship with you on this Sunday morning. Now, it's a week after Easter, but for most of us, it really doesn't feel like Easter has come at all. Maybe we feel like we're stuck in this season of Lent, the season of waiting, the season of anticipating, the season of sacrifice, of suffering, of of darkness, of wondering what this world holds for us. The uncertainty has been a bit crushing for a lot of folks, and we're wondering what's going to happen. And in that, we've started to have emotions that we're not comfortable with, and we've started to feel things that we don't like, anxiety and depression and fear and worry and doubt and just sadness. In the midst of all of this emotion, there has been this awareness develop for a lot of us. There has been this dissolving of an illusion that we carry. It's the illusion of control. For many of us, we have felt like we had some control over our lives. And as we've walked into this season and we're a week after Easter and just about a month since most of us went into some kind of stay-at-home, quarantine-type life, we are so aware of how little control we have over our own lives. We, we have this tendency to lie to ourselves and to believe the lies. Maybe we are better at lying to ourselves than anyone else. Maybe you can relate. You've said maybe just one more episode on Netflix, or I'm just going to have one cookie, or I'm just going to pull up social media for a minute. And, and you know, for me as a fisherman, my go-to lie to myself is one more cast, just one more cast. 20 minutes later, we're pulling off to the next spot. And, and maybe you can relate. But really, the lie that I think we tell ourselves most often, the lie that's almost like a, a drug that has us all hooked, is that we have control. That we are in charge of our lives. That, that I've got this. I can fix this. I'll figure it out. And we tell ourselves this over and over and over again, right? Like we, we want to feel like we have some manageable element of control over how our lives turn out. And we tell ourselves over and over again that we do. The truth, the truth we find in Proverbs 16, 9 is that in their hearts, humans plan their course but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 16, 9. Do you hear this? We as human beings, we can plan our course, but the Lord establishes our steps. We don't have as much control as we tell ourselves we do. We want to believe it. We want to try to hold on to it. And when life is good, when things are going our way, when we get the promotion, when, when we when we are able to accomplish our goals, when we hit that new weight that we were after or whatever it is, we can tell ourselves that it was simply because we are good. And we want to believe that and we want to hold on to this illusion and we're hooked on it. 
We want to feel just this modicum of power over our circumstances. We want to know that with enough hard work and enough determination and enough wisdom, we can control our destiny. We can make life turn out the way that we want it to turn out. But then life gets hard. Life gets hard for all of us. When life gets hard, we look for all kinds of reassurances. We look for ways that we can comfort ourselves and tell ourselves that it's going to be okay. We will lie to ourselves if it will get us by. We tell ourselves things like everything happens for a reason or it's okay that my life feels like it's out of control because God is in control and, and God is working something good for me. And we, and we tell ourselves that he'll work it out and he'll bring out something good. And so it's okay. The problem is Paul, the guy who wrote that, he believed and praised God to the very last moment until he was martyred and rolled into an unmarked grave. Or we'll say things like, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Apparently, he's very fond of this. He's always closing doors and opening windows. Maybe he just likes to see people try to struggle through a window. We want to hold on somehow to this idea that there is fairness in the world and that if we're good and we do good and we work hard, then only good things will come to us. And we want to believe that when the hard things come, when we fall or tumble or trip down off the mountaintop, that it's just a setback or a setup. And we, we want to think that if we can just find the right set of keys and plans and ideas to, to work, that we can make it turn out the way we want it. And for some of us, the keys may be determination. And others, it may be faith. And, and maybe it's hard work or prayer or the right plan or disciplines. And whatever it is, we think that if we can do enough of the right things in the right order at the right time, that we will be able to make our lives turn out good and happy. We want to hold on to this idea that I have some control over this and that it will all turn out fair for me. The book of Job is the oldest written book that we have in our Bible. It was the first one put into writing. And there we find this story, right? It is the story of a man who lost everything. In a day, he lost his home, he lost his kids, he lost his wealth, and then not long after that, he loses his health, and his friends betray him, and his wife walks away, and he loses everything. And he calls out to God. In fact, he tries to like set up almost this courtroom mentality and call God to give an account for his behavior. Right? And we find it in Job chapter 7, beginning at verse 11. He says this, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in my anguish. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. He is at that dark place, that empty place, that hard place, the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the uncertainty welling up in him. And in verse 20, he says, 
What have I done to you, God? You, the one who sees everything we do. Why? Why? Why have you made me your target? It's a question we all ask when things get hard. Why? Why me? God, you see everything. Why did you decide to pick on me? Why did you decide that it would be me that lost my job? Why did you decide that it would be my business that got closed? Why did you decide that I would be the one who didn't get the resources? Why did you decide that it was my kid who would get sick? It takes 20-some chapters before God answers Job. 20-some chapters of friends who are coming up with all kinds of reasons for his suffering. I mean, Job was a righteous man. He was a good man. He trusted God and he followed God and he served God. And yet he suffered. And when he calls out to God, why? God answers him. (laughs) But he doesn't answer his question. He never tells Job why or what happened or brings him behind the cloak to explain. In fact, the Bible never seems particularly interested in answering the question, why? Never does it want to give us that easy, that cliche, that go-to that we can hold on to to explain why when suffering happens. Seems rather, it's just an assumed part of life. And maybe it's in our 21st century world, we have erased so much of the loss and hardship that was normal to the generations of the past. We expect then to be able to control the chaos completely out of our lives. We expect a good and easy life. We expect to be able to control our destiny. We expect to get into our choice schools. We expect to choose a career and follow through and be able to do it all of our lives. We expect spiritual highs without spiritual lows. We expect to go from one mountaintop view to the next, from one success to the next. We expect to always be happy, to always have joy, to always feel confident, to always be able to figure out the answers. We're so hooked on this need for control that we now expect it and demand it and assume our ability to make life turn out the way we want. We assume the ability to quickly erase sufferings and any sufferings that come, we expect to be able to minimize to the point that they are easily forgotten one day. We want God to kind of twist and make it so that it's not that big a deal. It was just a setup, not a setback. It was just a little while. It's incomparable to glory. And we think that if we'll just hold on, we'll just wait, that it'll be easy again. But we're never promised easy. We're never promised fair. It's kind of funny. It was one of those things that my dad would say to me when I was a kid. And I would say to him, Dad, that's not fair. And he would laugh. It made me madder. But he would laugh and just say, whoever told you this world would be fair? And maybe it's time for 
us as Christians to stop holding on to this idea of our culture that it will be fair, that we can control it, and that we will make it the way we want, and that if we're good enough, we'll only get good. Life life is hard. And when it gets hard, we so avoid it that we want to minimize it, right? We want to minimize our struggle. We want to minimize the struggle and pain of others because it threatens our sense, our illusion, or maybe delusion of control. We can't do that. Then we we conjure up some kind of lesson and we want to turn every hardship into a lesson and every difficulty into something that can be learned. And, And if we can't do that, then we just insist on finding solutions and offering them up to one another, even if we know they're lies, even if we know they're not helpful. Now listen, these are truths that can set us free but are hard to hear at first. And the truth is simple. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. It is full of sunrises and sunsets. It is full of laughter and joy and moments of excitement. But life is also hard. It involves hard work and struggle and pain and loss and disappointment. It involves jobs being lost and homes being foreclosed on. It involves sickness and death. Life is hard. Life is beautiful and life is hard. But God is here and God loves us. God is here and God loves us. There was a preacher who wrote a sermon that we know as the book of Hebrews, and and in it he wrote these words. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the setbacks, in the midst of the pain and the feelings we can't understand, when our illusion of control melts away and we realize we are weak, We have a high priest. We have one who is the mediator between us and the Father. He is the one who builds the connection, not just between God and us, but between us and God. And he understands our weakness. He doesn't hold it against us. He doesn't limit us. He isn't afraid of it. He enters right into it. He has known and faced our struggles. And in him, we find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Now you can pretend, you can deny, you can minimize, and you can think that you don't need that help. You can can convince yourself and lie to yourself that you don't have any weaknesses. But the truth is, life is beautiful, and life is hard, and God is here, and God loves us. There is nothing that can separate us from that love. Paul Paul that I talked about earlier, the one who was martyred and and rolled into that unmarked grave, 
He wrote these words in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Can anything separate us from Jesus' love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened by death? No, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. You're going to go through it all. But Jesus goes through it all with you. He loves you and he helps you. And that's good news today. No matter where we're at, no matter what weakness besets us, no matter what fears are coming at us, in this moment when we can't think about the future and we can't jump into the future and we can't plan the future, we are stuck right here in this present moment. We can choose to live, to live this life that is beautiful and hard and to do it with God's help, the one who is with us and loves us. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. God is here. And he loves us. And that's enough. Let's pray. Father, the truth is we are weak and we're afraid and we're uncertain. And it scares us to be able to look out and not know what's coming. We're faced with our limitations and our weaknesses. But God, we thank you that you know us, you love us, you are with us, you have gone through everything that we go through, and we can lean into your presence and into your love and it will uplift us. We can know a sweetness of your love in the dark times, in the caves, in the fear, in the unsettledness, maybe more than any other time in our lives. God, would you help us to see and know that you love us? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning in worship. And if you are new to tuning into Hydrant Church, we would love for a chance to connect with you. So make sure to text in to the number 919-888-4401. And there are ways that you can give to support what's happening here at Hydrant and around our community. So check out our website, check out our app, and get on and like us on Facebook. Know that you are loved, you are missed, and you are prayed for. Have a great week.